This is just bonus. Amen. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our children. We thank you for the life, God, in this building, Lord. We thank you, God, for the things that you're doing, God, the way that you're growing us and maturing us, Lord God. And I just, I thank you for this body, Lord God. We pray for every church this morning that's dividing, rightly dividing your scripture, Lord God. And we pray that you would be moving in each and every gathering in the home church, in the, in the big church, in the small church, God, wherever you are glorified, God, that you would gather today and, and just move among your people, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. What's up, partner? How you doing? Your mommy? I thought you, I thought you was going to help me today. It's all good. Amen. Amen. If you're just joining us, we are... You thought that was an illustration, right? I know. It was. If you're just joining us this morning, uh, we started a series a few weeks back titled The Standard. And, and the thought and the heart behind the series, I have to tell you, is continuing to increase in me more and more as we get along this thing. It's, it's getting bigger in me. It's, it's kind of growing. And, and all the more as we move along, I feel more and more like God is sounding the alarm to a, a, a church that's asleep. And I don't mean you. I mean, you know. And, and I just feel like, you know, God is, God is calling the church to walk in their God-given authority, to, to walk according to His plans for His purposes and understand that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were created to do something, amen? I feel we have to warn the church as a whole from straying and from drifting and from becoming complacent. This is not the time or the season to compromise or be distracted. God is calling us to be fully focused. And as a pastor, I feel the weight of a watchman sounding the alarm. And, and God brought me to the scripture in, in Ezekiel when, where, where he called Ezekiel and he told him, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. And he goes on to tell him, when I tell you to warn somebody about their iniquity because their iniquity is going to lead them to death, you warn them. And, and, and if you don't warn them, they will die in their sin, but their blood will be on your hands. And I don't know how you feel about that, but that's a heavy calling. That's a heavy place. And, but God says, but if you warn, if I tell you to warn them about their sin and you warn them and they don't change and they continue, they will die in their iniquity, but you will have saved your soul. So I came today to call some, to warn some, and to encourage others. Amen? Now, understand something. I, I don't like, this is not me. I don't like to come before you and talk about other churches or other speakers or preachers. But there are too many people today following the popularity of man. And, and being deceived by diluted doctrines. And the doctrines of devils. So please, hear my heart. I'm not saying this church is the only one doing it right. 
If you ever hear a church say that, it's a good chance you're in a cult. There are many churches that are doing it right and they're, they're, they're preaching the word, they're Christ-centered, they're kingdom-minded, they're gospel-preaching houses of worship, but there are also many that are not. And the word says in the last days people would, would give in to deceiving doctrines and, and just go wherever they, they have their ears scratched. And so we have to be careful who we sit under and who we let in. Amen? So let me do some quick housekeeping here. <clears throat> if God has brought you here to be a part of this body, then get your work clothes on and get busy. Listen, listen. Stop jumping around from church to church. Uh-oh. You're not helping anybody and you'll just end up more confused. If God calls you here, get planted here. Get plugged in. Listen, a coach needs to know who's on the team and who's going to be there so he could know who to use to get the victory for that battle. I... In the kingdom of God, there are no superheroes, rock stars, or prima donnas. So please, don't show up here once a month and then talk to people in the back for the whole service. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the body. It's not healthy for anybody else. Amen? Listen, we work hard as a team. You, you may not think, you may think like this is just, you know, whatever, but we work hard to create an atmosphere of worship. There's prayer times, there's practice times, there's intercession times. We work hard to create an atmosphere of worship. And when you come in and talk through the whole worship, you're creating a distraction. Understand something, families. Children, that, those are not a distraction. Babies crying, that's not a distraction. You, you, this is your home, you're with family. If, if, if a kid comes up, it's good, it's all right. Amen? It's all right. That's not a distraction to worship. But when during the worship, you, you're talking and you're just talking to people. You're pulling somebody out from a breakthrough that they could be having. And listen, when you talk through the preaching, what you're saying is you studied more than I did. And what you're saying is you're more prepared than I am this morning. And you heard from God more than I did. And you have a word to speak into somebody's life. And if that's the case, amen. But there's a God of order. You can wait till after the service. Amen. The word won't change. In the meanwhile, continue to receive from God. One more word. We don't need any Jonahs hiding here either. What's a Jonah? A Jonah is a man or a woman called by God who's running from their calling and hiding in the sanctuary. If you're just visiting, this is how we roll. <laughs> we love God. We love people. We're trying to build a healthy church. We're trying to build healthy families. So welcome this morning. Amen? This is not that comfortable Christianity that's tucking people in and lulling them to sleep with half scriptures and bumper sticker uh, 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 scriptures instead of calling them out, sounding the alarm and waking them up with a full gospel. Because all the while, the enemy of our souls is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking who he's going to devour. 
As a watchman on the wall, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing some strange and wicked things going on in this world that I can't even explain. I have no category to file it under. The only scripture that I can even apply to it is, is the warning that we have in Ephesians 6.12. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I mentioned to you last week that for some God-forsaken reason, we've, uh, the world has taken it upon themselves to build a temple, to recreate the temple of Baal. And they were putting one in London and putting one in New York, and, and the one in London went up, and it's this, this, the gate to the temple, of, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a portal, it's a gate to the temple of Baal, re- recreated from the city of Palmyra. And so they've, they've renamed it. And so I thought, you know, the one here in Times Square was canceled. So we thought it was canceled for New York. Guess what? No. September 19th. Look at this picture. There it is. Where is that city hall? Right outside our financial district. There it is. Recreated the temple to the, te- the gateway to the temple of Baal. They renamed it. Now it's called the Gate of, of, of Palmyra. And they're calling it the Arch of Triumph. And there's a, a nice little article that says it's just, you know, ISIS is destroying things and we're saying we're not going to bow to terrorism and, and this is, you know, just a recreation of something that they... And then real, if your eyes are open, there's one sentence in the article. And it says, this is also the gateway to the temple of Baal, the 2,000-year-old temple of Baal spoken about in the, in the scriptures. It's the archway before the temple of Baal. Meanwhile, the church wants to be popular and accepted by this world. And so we compromise our calling to fit in with a world who's hell-bent on seeking everything else but God. Notice that it's not a monument, it's not up, it's not road, it's put in a pathway so that everybody has to walk. Do you see these people are walking through the gateway? Take that off the screen, please. What have we done? What are we doing? What times are we living in? And we're huddled in here singing cute songs with the kids. It has to be bigger than this. Amen? It's embarrassing that the world seeks the supernatural more than the church. All right, somebody's with me. One, one. Look at the movies that are out. The paranormal activity, one, two, three, six, eleven. I mean, they're going to keep going. The conjuring, one, two. They'll probably do another one. The visit, the Ouija. They've done another movie, Ouija's coming out, Ouija board. They've redone that movie eight times. These little white kids don't understand that it's a portal to the, to the enemy. And they keep playing the game. When are we going to get that? But you go to Toys R Us and it's right there. Uh, Scrabble and, and, uh, and um, um, you know, Parcheesi and the Ouija board right there in the same aisle. It's a game. It's just a game. Look at the, the shows on TV. Supernatural, American Horror Story, Lucifer. Some of you are embarrassed because you're watching all of them. Let me just say this. Don't call us to your house to pray over your house because you were watching Conjuring and you conjured something up. Amen? We're busy. If you open the door, you close it. 
But the world is hungry for the supernatural. Let's bring it to them. Let's show it to them. Let's walk in the supernatural. Let them see the supernatural. Let them stop thinking that the supernatural is only the dark arts. If they're dark arts, that means there's light. Amen? If there's stuff that, that makes the, the, the hairs on your head stand up, then there's stuff in the kingdom of God that'll make the hair on your head stand up. Amen? <clears throat> okay, so we're walking through the book of Romans <laughs> for this series. And, and as I've already mentioned, the book of Romans was written to the church in Rome because Paul wanted to give them a full scriptural foundation for the gospel. He wanted both the Jews and the Gentiles in the church to be equipped. And so today we'll pick up at the end of chapter 1 in a message I want to title, When God Let's Go. I want to read that closing paragraph in, in uh, Romans chapter 1. You can, you can put it up on the screen there, starting at Romans 1.18. We're not gonna, always going to do it this way, but I feel for this piece, I want to do it this way. We're going to kind of read the, the and I'll, I'll just, you know, jump in here and there, kind of just explaining what's going on and the implications that it brings. And can we just take uh, 10 seconds and just pray that the Word of God, that the peace of God will come through the Word of God to the people of God. Let's just pray. Father, we just... Remove offense. Let your peace permeate this place. Let your word bring life and not death. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, Romans 1.18. Otherwise, you can see it up here on the screen. Uh, it starts this way. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the godless and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Okay, so we've, we've covered that a little bit already. God is saying that creation declares the glory of God. So even if you've never been told, even if you've never sat in a, uh, uh, under a pulpit and, and heard, even if you've never heard it, there's already a code in us that God has wired in us that lets us know and checks us on good and evil. Atheists hate this argument. They'll say, no, society determines the definition of good and society and the evolution of our societies determine what's good and what's bad. But understand something. If there is no God, then there's really no good. Because if we're just random mutations of genes created by a big bang, then, then there is no... Then good for us could be helping an elderly lady cross the street good for us could be kicking her in the back. There's no good. Who defines good? Where do we get our definition of good? You, you understand? If there's no God. It, 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 the bigger argument here is that creation tells us there's a creator. Nobody's ever looked at a basketball. Listen. Well, it's football season. I'm sorry, right? Nobody's ever looked at a football and said, man, isn't that amazing? 
how all of that, uh, they still made out of pigskin or is it rubber now or pigskin? Isn't it amazing how all that pigskin just came together and just tied itself up in, in a weird shaped, uh, you know, and, and it filled itself with air to make it, to make it bouncy. Isn't that amazing that it, it created around it like a texture so that it could be easy to grip? Isn't it fascinating? Nobody's ever said that, right? And that's just a dumb football. Did you know the human eye has 770,000 nerve cells? Anywhere from 770 to 1.7 million nerves in the human eye. There are muscles that, that control it going left, right, up and down. There's a, uh, a, a lens in the front of the eye and a lens in the back of the eye. And it, it's connected to a nerve that connects to the brain. And the eye depends on the brain to interpret what it sees. If a football was the product of an intelligent designer, how much more the eye? Case closed. God says there's no excuse. People will one day have to give an account for why they chose to ignore His existence. Why they believed there was a God but never sought Him or served Him. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they've exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles and when I read that, I thought immediately the, the passage in Exodus 32, with, with, it, it's a picture kind of, of of what we do today. God had used Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And, and you know the story, you've seen the movies, you know? Um, and, and the plagues and, and the way that God, you know, did the things to, to Pharaoh and to the people. And so there was big signs and wonders. There were miracles. And, and so the people of God saw God's hand literally at work. They saw miracles. They saw signs and wonders. And God had delivered them. And so at this point, God has them out of Egypt and they're delivered from slavery. And God says, I need to pull Moses away because I need to speak into his life. I need to give him some more instruction for you. You guys stay here. And he took Moses away. And while Moses was away, the people said, and, and, and they left Aaron in charge. And while Moses was away, the people said, man, this is taking a long time. Like they must have had a date or something. I don't know where they were going and what was planned, but they said, this is, anybody ever felt, man, God is taking too long? And so they say, God is taking too long. And so they tell Aaron, Aaron, make a God for us. God is taking too long. Make a God for us. And so Aaron, their godly leader, says, okay, okay, everybody, give me your earrings. Pass your earrings down, your bracelets, your gold chains. Give me your Santa Barbara's. Give me all that stuff that's on your neck. Pass them all down. And we're going to collect them. And then he throws them into the fire and he melts the gold. And he fashions this a golden calf, an animal. Images made to appear like animal, just like the word says, right? 
And he makes this calf, golden calf, and he tells the people, this is your God who, ha- who delivered you out of e- That's my earrings. Do, do, do you see this, the foolishness? What God says, the foolishness. We become, we become. Those are my, those are my, 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 my hoop, my ghetto earrings. That's my nameplate. That's up in there. That, that's not a god. I see my name right there on the side. That's. And they say, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And the people worshipped and they partied in front of the statue. And it says they indulged in revelry. Whenever the word says that, that means they took off their clothes and they started having orgies and sexual... In- I don't know what in the old... We think we're bad today, but in the Old Testament, they was having... Anyway... They exchanged the glory of God for images of statues. We do it today for images, for good luck charms, for horoscopes, for psychic readings, for consultas. We create gods that we can control. The result, verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires, in the lust of their hearts to impurities. For the degrading of their bodies with one another. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served and created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. We're going to see three times here in Roman that God lets go. It says, and he gave them over. Sometimes when we continue to resist and ignore and prefer our own way without God, sometimes God lets go. I don't think that's a very popular preaching. I don't think anybody's going to ask for a copy of this message. <laughs> sometimes God, God, God will give us over to the thing that we worship more than Him. Oh, this, this is going to get crazy right now. Get ready. And so God gives us over to the thing that we want more than God. With us, it's always sex, power, or money. We'll sell anything for sex, power, or money. We don't allow that area that we don't allow God to work in, that area of our lives that we insist on controlling and not surrender. Hear me, family. We turn aside from the things of God to pursue other things all the time, and we make idols of whatever we put before God. You know that even your family could be an idol. That sounds unbiblical, but it is. We're we're choosing to have our own. When you exchange what God has given us for the lie the world has sold us, it's a downward spiral. Are you ready for the next scripture? Verse 26, look what happens. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts, to dishonorable passions. We're just two different versions here, it's all right. (coughs) Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Yeah, this is about the quietest I've ever heard this building. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. 
Family, sometimes we fight so much for what we feel that God lets go. We've, this is a really heavy scripture, such a difficult topic to deal with in a large group of people like this who have been shaped by their experiences. By, by what their experiences have taught them, by, by what we've been influenced by the media and the pressure that the media has put on us to accept what they feel is right. This will no doubt offend many people here today. We've been in for, we have we have no doubt this. There, there, I'm sure that there's people here today that might even find themselves in this struggle, wrestling with this very situation. And let me just say this: this is a safe place for your struggle. Amen. But we have to hear the truth and not the agenda that we've been force-fed by the media in every TV show and every movie. And even in our schools. So let's back up a bit, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made. So God says, creation gives us the proper understanding. You, you still with me? God created man and set him in the garden. And he created man and made them male and female. Understand there is no other possible combination that can result in procreation. Any other combination can bring forth life and it dies in itself. And that alone is a picture. God's design for creation, for marriage, is male and female. Paul uses the example of homosexuality, among other things here, as we're going to see, to illustrate how our actions can come against the very design and the plan of God. Who's Paul talking about this whole time? He's talking about man since the fall of man. He's talking about our condition since the fall of man. The, the, the gospel in a nutshell is God made it, Adam broke it, Jesus came to fix it. We're in the middle of that. Amen? This world loves to blame God for sickness and disease and catastrophes, but we don't understand that none of that was God's design. Since the fall, even nature groans. God, God, understand, God didn't design children to be born with cancer and HIV and leukemia. And we blame him. We say, oh God, God, how can God do this to me? You know, the God that we never serve. The God that we don't worship. The God that we're not grateful to. The God that we give no honor to. The God that we give no respect to. The God that we give no reference to. How could he do this to me? And people, people say, how can God be angry at, at, how can God call sin what some people feel they're born with? And that's where we understand this is not God's design. This is a result of the fall. This is a result of depravity and disorder and, and how, how our sin has led us and God has given us over 
to this. Uh, verse 28. Furthermore, since they, men, did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. And they became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. None of this is God's design. They're full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. And they're gossips and slanderers and God-haters. They're insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they, do, they only continue to do these things. They also approve of those who practice this. Wow. If that's not a picture of our society today, then not only do we do these things, we celebrate those who do. Can I talk to the church today? Is this all right? Sometimes we see here in Romans, and we'll see it across other times throughout the Word, sometimes when we resist God, when we pull away from Him, when we don't acknowledge Him, when we don't thank Him, sometimes He lets go. And I picture a father holding his child. And you know when you're holding the, the little kid, and the little kid is pulling away and pulling away and saying, no, get a, let me go, let me go. But you know as a father, if you let them go right now, they're going to fall and hit their head and get hurt. They're going to they're gonna, you know, experience pain. And so you hold them and you hold them, but they keep pulling and pulling. And so sometimes as a father, maybe it's just me, but I, I think you've all done it. Sometimes as a father, you know that you, you're going to let go. But what do you do? You... You aim them to the place where at least, even if they get hurt, they're going to learn a lesson. A wicked father would aim them toward the edge of a table so they would hit the edge and like die. A loving father would aim them toward the bed, toward the pillow, toward the sofa, so that when they pull away and they let go and they finally go as far as they want to go, they could still be safe. And I believe God does that. I believe even when God lets go, His heart is still that we would, could, could, it could, could grow from that. That we could get hurt. Because He says He gave them over. But that's so that we can come to the place where we say, God, um, this life that I wanted, this life that I craved, this freedom that I want, I want to do anything I want. And, and I find that there's, it's empty. I find that it's empty. Today we have right, a multi-million dollar artist and, and athletes and, and they're addicted to the same $20 drug that the, that, the, that the homeless guy is addicted to. Why? We've tried everything. Nothing out satisfied. I've had all the sex I can have. I have all the cars I can own. I have, all the ho I have a house bigger than anybody else's. I have everything. And, and, I'm, I'm, and why? I'm now, and now nothing satisfies. Sometimes God lets go and He leaves us into 
a disordered mind and a depraved mind. Disorder means a state of confusion. Understand, God is not the author of confusion. When we, when He lets go and when we're confused, it's probably because we're not following Him. It's because we're not coming after God. <coughs> God can't actually leave you because everywhere you are, God is. So He doesn't actually, He doesn't break His promise that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He can't leave you everywhere you go. He is. But sometimes He lets go. God gives people, three times here in the book of Romans, God gives people over to disorder. They don't want to acknowledge or worship, so He gives them over to what they want to worship. Understand, this is bigger than homosexuality. It's actually all about pride and rebellion. It's the spirit of rebellion that leads us into all vice and all sin. It's us saying, I know better than God. And people, what worship team, you guys can come. I, I, I think we need some. People, people say, you know, all this, uh, uh, you know, times have changed and we need to change what the Word says. You know, the, the, we need to be a little more, the, the Bible's an outdated book. It's old and, and things have changed. And, and what are we saying even with that? We're saying we know better than God. The creator of the universe, the one that tied 1.7 million nerves in the human eye so that we can see. You know better because we want to do what we want to do. And we've fought so much for our wrongs that we've made them our rights. Here's the heart of the issue. All of this is a result of buying into the lie that God is not God. When we believe this, then we let sin turn our world upside down. But the beauty, the good news is this. Usually when God lets us go, He has a plan for our redemption. Come on. When the Father lets us go, He has a plan for our redemption. We see it in the, the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he tells this story of a son that wanted to do nothing. Uh, he didn't want nothing from the, from the, he didn't want to have anything to do with the father or the family anymore. He says, give me my inheritance so I can go and live the way I want to live. I don't want to live in your house anymore. I don't want to live under your rules anymore. I don't want to live the way you tell me to live anymore. I don't want to be forced to go to church anymore. I don't want to be forced to worship anymore i want to live the way i want and he tells the father give me my cut so i can be out and this is one of those pictures when the father lets go father didn't have to understand even in this this is a parable but even in this culture the father didn't have to the father said if you want to go you can go but your inheritance you 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 forfeit it but no, the father got together everything. That means he had to buy and sell to, to arrange because he's, he's breaking up three pieces of, of his whole kingdom and he gave it to the son. And the son went and he lived his way. He did. God gave him over to anything that he wanted to do. And it said there were harlots and there were, there were you know, and he had, he had the, 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 the escalades and all his homies and there was popping bottles and they had women and, and until the money ran out. 
And then, and then the homies started bouncing. And then, and then the girls said, well, I ain't doing that for free. <laughs> you ain't even that cute. And, and, and then he found himself alone. And he found himself empty. And he found himself at the bottom of his life. And he found himself eating what people were serving to pigs. Such a beautiful picture. And he said, in my father's house, even the servants eat better than I'm eating now. I'm going to go back. And the beautiful picture, the story of redemption, is that when he decided to go back, before he confessed, before he repented, before anything, the father was already looking. The father was already searching. And the father was waiting. And, and as soon as the father saw him, it says from far away, the father girded up his skirt, you know, his loins, and he ran he humiliated, that's humiliating for a man in that culture to run. He ran towards him. And he embraced him before repenting, before confessing, before saying, I'm a fool. That No, it says he threw his arms around him and he hugged him and he received him. And he put his ring of authority on him and he put a robe on him and he called for a party. See, when God, sometimes God lets go, but he always has a plan to bring you back. I don't know where you stand today, but you could still be offended by verse 17. You could still, you could have ignored everything else I said because I spoke about something that touched something in you. And you could be angry. Or you could say, God, I, you are God. And I'll seek you. And I may have issues with, with that. And I may have questions about your word. And I may have some, some battles. And I may have some struggles. And, and God, I don't understand why you would say that when I'm struggling with this. And you don't understand how I... God says he understands everything. He was tempted in every way. I want this place to be a place where all of us can struggle with those things that we struggle with. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to put a rainbow flag on the door. I'm not going to celebrate. First of all, because that's God's covenant sign and we've taken that. But we're not going to treat anybody differently. Because we're, we're um, bent to, to, to feel a certain way or to struggle a certain way. We're here to create a place, a sanctuary, a safe place where we can help each other along and push each other and encourage each other and build each other up towards purity, towards holiness. And so whoever you are, we love you. And we're here to stand with you. And... And just know today, even when the Father lets go, He's got a bigger plan. God bless you.